You are listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 181. I had someone come to our forums and they posted about a long-standing negative, toxic relationship that they had with, or that they currently have, rather, with another individual. And the person wrote how they started reading our articles on forgiveness and how God miraculously did a major work in this person's heart to where they could come to the place of forgiving them attitudinally. The reason I say that they forgave uh, this person, forgave the offender attitudinally, is because the offender never owned the sin, never asked for forgiveness, therefore they could never transact forgiveness with them because, quite frankly, seemingly they just don't care. But here's the thing. You can forgive someone in your heart. You can have an attitude of forgiveness towards someone even if they never ask you for forgiveness. Why is this important? Well, so that you can be free from what they did to you, whether they are ever free from what they did to you. Transactional forgiveness is when the offender comes to you humble, broken, self-aware, aware of what they did to you, when they are ready to, probably already, have asked God to forgive them. And now they're coming to you and they're asking you to forgive them for their sins and they want to transact forgiveness and that's a beautiful thing and that's the way that it should be. But that's not how it always is. Sometimes people will do things to hurt you and quite frankly, they will never clean up their mess. They will not own their sin. They will not come and ask for forgiveness and you are left holding a bag of sin and if you're not careful, if you don't deal with it biblically, you can become an angry person, a cynical person, a hurt person, a bitter person. And it happens too often in Christianity. And so this individual shared their story about how they were going through that process, being hurt repeatedly by another person, and they were left holding a bag of sin, and it was weighing them down. And so they began to read articles on forgiveness from our website. God began interacting with this individual's heart, and, and they did business with God, and God gave them uh, an attitude of forgiveness, and they came and they wrote what they had been going through on our forum. And as I was reading it, I had two thoughts going through my mind. One thought is, I've been down this road before. I was thinking specifically about the individual who mur murdered my brother in 1987 and then the other person who murdered my brother in my other brother in 1997 brother number 1 in 87 brother number 2 in 97 and neither one of those individuals who killed my brothers as far as I know they've never owned their sin they definitely have never come to me and asked for forgiveness. But here, there I was holding a bag of sin, and it was a big bag, and it was heavy, and it took a lot, it took a lot to work through that. And as I was reading this story about this person here on our forum, I was thinking about that and the process that the Lord took me through. Because the thing is, I did not want to be captivated by their sin. 
I wanted to get rid of it. I needed an attitude of forgiveness, whether it was ever transacted. And so I was thinking of that. But I was also, the second thing, I was thinking, wow, what you are writing here is a template that everybody needs to hear. And so what I've done here is I've reformatted it, changed a few things around, moved some pieces around, and I have these show notes here, uh, which is my paraphrasing of what the individual shared on our forum, because I want to share this with you. Perhaps you have already picked up on the fact that I haven't used the individual's gender, so you don't know if it's a male or a female that I'm talking about. You don't know who the offender is, if that's a male or a female, or or the type of person it is. You don't know what the offenses are either. All of that stuff is unimportant, and I'm not going to share personal information with about another person. I'm not going to share that per individual's information. So by the grace of God, I won't use genders in this podcast, he or she. Uh, I just don't, don't want to go there because that's not the main thing. But the main thing is the template, what the individual wrote, what they shared with us, and how God worked in their heart, and the vitalness that you and I hear this and and make sure that if there are people in our lives who have offended us, hurt us in some way, that we have enough biblical maturity to be able to at least minimally have a heart of forgiveness toward these people who who sin. And so if you want to read these show notes, it is episode 181, and I have a unique title. It's called To Forgive or Not to Forgive. That is the question. And so if you look that up, what you will find is everything that I'm going to share with you in the podcast. And I have 8, 9, 10, 11, at least 11 articles in these show notes, including the show notes. So you could say 12 articles. What that means is, is this could be a whopping good homework assignment for somebody who is struggling with being hurt, being offended by other people or other individuals. You see, sometimes you can't ask or you can't grant transactional forgiveness to someone. Like, for example, I can never forgive my father for all the things that he did to me because he died in 1978. I became a Christian in 1984, and so it's all whacked up. And so there are some situations, like, say, sexual abuse, for example, you in many of those cases, you you probably don't want the perp, the perpetrator, to come and and interact with the person that they sexually abused. And that's a case-by-case basis, but you want to be very careful there. And so there are some times where it's just not possible to have transactional forgiveness. And therefore, you really have to think through this idea of attitudinal forgiveness. And that's what this individual did in our community forum. And it's why I'm sharing it with you now. So episode 181, forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender and the offended. It's for both parties. That's the intent. But being realistic here, we know that both parties will not always experience this grace gift called forgiveness, but minimally, minimally, at least the victim should access this means of grace 
You should. You, sh- you should get help so that you can get there because you don't need to be in bondage to what someone else did to you. But realistically speaking, and I need to say this because you already know it, getting to this sweet place of shalom, this place of peace, it's not easy. Depending on the severity of the crime, the extent of the sin that was perpetrated against you, it's not easy. Experiencing peace, shalom, restoration of your soul after being broken down by Whatever someone did to you, that's not an easy thing to do. But you want to go there. And one of the reasons that it's not easy is because there are so many temptations. You have questions. You have temptations that you struggle with. You're in a warfare, and you have to wrestle with it. And so what I want to do in this podcast is I want to share with you eight questions, eight temptations that a person, that a victim will struggle with, possibly you may be able to relate to all eight of these. These are the things that the poster on our forum shared with us. And so they were definitely temptations with that individual. And so I took their temptations, rewrote them a bit, reformatted it a bit, but I'm sharing pretty much what they shared because these temptations are ours too. These are universal things. And so I want to ask you eight questions. I will commentate on all eight, and then you can add your own thoughts as well. And if you want to take it even further, you can take episode 181 and print it off or put it on your device, your tablet, whatever you read things, and and work it through at your own pace and your own time. So let me jump into these questions. Number one, these are eight possible temptations to the victim of hurt, sin of another person. Here's question number one that will more than likely go through your head. What if I attitudinally forgive the person, but they do not change now that thought is it's a real it's a real thought and I have thought that many times in my own heart in in certain situations and I'm sure people have thought that about me as well. I, I don't want to come across to you as a righteous person and always the victim and and never the offender. I've been an offender way too many times in my life and it's kind of discouraging to think about it if I'm not if I don't capture those thoughts. But what if I attitudinally forgive the person, but they do not change? This type of thinking is legalistic. It really is. It's it's really saying, I will forgive you if you change. If you do this, I will do that. It is a man-centered way of thinking. It's two individuals talking in a, a godless vacuum. That's not how forgiveness works. At its worst, it's manipulative. It's a manipulative attitude. And I'm not saying that every person that's ever thought this has has had this manipulative attitude in a witting, knowing way. I think most of the time it's just an unwitting statement that we make. It just goes through our mind. What if I forgive them in my heart, but they don't change, and we don't think about Uh, these contours that I'm communicating with you about it being man-centered, legalistic thinking. Uh, 
but it is. You can't coerce someone to change. The offender's repentance is not your ultimate concern because God is the one who grants repentance to people, not you, not me. And so we just need to cut the last half of that sentence off. The whole, the whole question said, what if I attitudinally forgive the person, but they do not change? Just cut that last half off, but they do not change. Just take that off. What if I attitudinally forgive the person? Well, you know what? If you attitudinally forgive the person, you'll be free, period, whether they change or not. But there's another strand to this kind of thinking. It could also point toward fear that motivates the individual to seek assurances so they won't be hurt again. Now, that's fair enough. That makes total sense to me. But you can't go there either because you can't manipulate or coerce repentance out of the person. It would be better to ask God-centered questions rather than self-centered questions that have self-preservation in view. Your goal must be God-reliance, not self-reliance. And so it should be, what if, what if I attitudinally forgive the person? Well, I will be free and God will take care of me. That's really how it should sound. That is a God-centered question that is just full of God-reliance, not self-reliance. That's looking for the person to change. Question number two, what if I attitudinally forgive them, but they do not own their sin? The first question was about what if they don't change. The second question is what about if they don't own their sin? This question obviously is similar to the first one in that you would be attempting to be their God, at least in a functional way. While it's critical for them to repent of any sin in their lives, your attitude must never be, I will do right, if they do right. You cannot do that. Why? Well, the longer you hold out from doing what you know to do, it'll be detrimental to your soul. That's why. And that's why James says in 1417, 4.17 rather, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's one of the first verses that I memorized 35 or so years ago. It's a profound verse. You don't want to hold out from what you know to do. If God is calling you to attitudinally forgive someone today, the most useful thing you can do is is respond to his loving agitations. The question was, if I attitudinally forgive them, but they, what if they don't own their sin? That is not your business. Forgive them in your heart. Number three, how can I attitudinally forgive them while I'm hurting so badly from what they did to me? Again, another very fair question. Here's the thing. The more significant the severity of the offense will impact your recovery time. All offenses are not equal. All sin is not the same consequentially. Some hurts are harder to recover from as it pertains to the effects of whatever it is that somebody did to you. Some offenses are analogous to death in that there is a grieving season and you cannot make it go any faster if you were sexually abused, uh, physically abused, if you had a spouse who committed adultery, there are some severe offenses. All sin is the same in one sense, but they are not the same consequentially. And another idea to this, not only will the severity of the offense 
uh, offense impact the recovery time, people are different. Some people brood and some people can overlook quickly. That's just the way individuals are. It takes some people a while to process through stuff and other people it just doesn't take as long. But there's a more vital question to ask here. So the question is, how can I attitudinally forgive them while I'm hurting so badly from what they did to me? That's really not the first question that you want to ask. The first question is, are you willing to forgive even though you're not there yet? Are you willing to do it, not will you do it now? Because here's the problem. Harboring bitterness versus an attitude of forgiveness are two wildly different things. If you're leaning towards sinful anger, you'll have a difficult time with them and with God. And so the more vital question here is, are you willing? Question number four, if I attitudinally forgive the person, what if they repent the same? What if they repeat the same offense, which will compound the past hurt? I talked about this earlier, the person guarding, hedging their beds, hoping that they will not be hurt again as they were kind of bartering with the forgiveness versus the repentance. This question is fear-motivated as the individual thinks about the future relationship with the individual. You see, there's a coupling of two thoughts here, fear and future. It's a fear-motivated idea in the present moment as they are thinking about the future. That's what that question says. If I attitudinally forgive the person, what if they repeat the same offense in the future, implied, which will compound the past hurt? So there are two things that you must address. The first is your fear, and the second are future potential problems. Jesus has a great verse about this or a great sentence about this in Matthew 6.34. He said, therefore, do not be anxious. There's the fear word, and notice what he connects fear to. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, future. He's connecting fear to the future. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Crippling fear is a common struggle with all people, and it's worse when threatening people or painful events enter our lives. And so my hope is to direct you vertically. First, focus on God more than you look out over the horizon and focus on potential possibilities that aren't here yet. Do you see the problem about that? Reaching out into the future and bringing future problems that don't even exist right now except in your anxious head and bringing them into the present so that you can worry about it. Our strongest temptations come from our hearts as we fixate on what is in front of us, which is a horizontal perspective. You'll need some help working through this idea of being concerned about a repeated offense in the future. Attitudinally forgive them is what you need to do. Now, number five, question number five. How aware am I that withholding attitudinal forgiveness can be a way of punishing the offender? Well, I hope that you are well aware of that possibility because that is a high probability with a lot of us. We can use forgiveness as a weapon. Therefore, having a healthy biblical self-suspicion is critical. 
when thinking about those who hurt you. I'm talking about a healthy biblical self-suspicion. You see, our hearts are deceptive, and you know that. We are incredibly loyal to ourselves. Self-preservation is one of our strongest controlling desires. Forgiveness is a gift from God that was never meant to be a hammer to hurt others with so we can level the playing field, meaning you hurt me and I hurt you. Don't use forgiveness to level the playing field, in this case, withholding forgiveness so that you can hurt them. You must not serve two masters. And if being punitive to another person is one of those masters, you are its slave, which makes you a big loser. How aware am I that withholding attitudinal forgiveness can be a way of punishing the offender? I hope you are aware of the possibility. And if you see that lurking around in your soul, you need to do business right now. Question number six. How much of my anger is righteous versus sinful? This question has to be in here. I've said this before in other podcasts on anger. It doesn't matter how many times I post sinful anger on Facebook. Somebody virtually every single time said, what about righteous anger? We're quick on the trigger when it comes to righteous anger. They don't read the post. They don't read it in context. They don't even know what I said. They immediately start talking about righteous anger because we are self-loyal. You really want to go back to my self-deception issue that I just mentioned previously. Because of our high self-loyalty, our first response is to call most of our anger righteous. It may be, but pump the brakes on that. Holding this view of righteous anger without submitting your attitude to someone who's not afraid to tell you the truth is a great idea. As far as righteous anger goes, I've written an article on it. I have it here linked under this question number six. And I'll just give you, there are three redemptive aspects to righteous anger. Those three redemptive aspects are humility. That's a manifestation of righteous anger. Redemption and community. I won't extrapolate that here because you can read the article on righteous anger if you want to. As I take a look at Matthew 21, where Jesus turned the tables over in the temple, as you are well aware of, that would be a, uh, an incident of righteous anger. And in that text, you see Jesus' humility, you see redemptive work, and you see community. And so there are three diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself to discern if it's righteous anger. Number one, could your friend identify humility by the way that you talk about the offender? I've heard a lot of people talk about the offender, and it really doesn't sound like humility. It sounds a whole lot like sinful anger. So could your friend identify humility by the way that you talk about the offender? I hope that you hear that in me when I talk about the people like, for example, who killed my brothers. I hope that you hear not just humility, but like, well, he probably has an attitude of forgiveness toward them because I don't hear harshness, bitterness, unkind, any kind of sinful anger. And so humility is key for righteous anger. I'm very angry about what they did, and I would say that is righteous anger, and you can you can share you can have your opinion about that as you listen to me talk about those situations. Number two, question, diagnostic question. How is your anger redeeming a person or redeeming a situation? How is your anger redemptive? Jesus was redemptive in that moment in the temple. And then question number three, 
When you choose anger, righteous anger, are people afraid of you or are they drawn to you? If it's righteous, they'll be drawn to you, not afraid of you. The people came and Jesus ministered to them right after he turned the tables over. And so the question is, how much of my anger is righteous versus sinful? And again, I would appeal to you to read my article on righteous anger. You must examine this. Number seven, what does my lack of attitudinal forgiveness reveal about my, about my relationship with God? This question is the biggest of all. And how you respond to everything that I've said thus far will reveal your relationship with the Lord. If you go through the six questions that I've already asked you and you really answer them as humbly and transparently, you will know about your relationship with the Lord. For many folks, the hurt that comes into their lives reveals an inadequate relationship with God, to be quite honest with you. They have a crisis in their faith and because of that, there's a call for them to draw near to God. They need to submit themselves to God. They need to resist the devil. They need to draw near to God, and he will draw near to them. I'm paraphrasing James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And so the question is, what does my lack of attitudinal forgiveness reveal about my relationship with God? Do you want to examine yourself and see if there's truly a lack of attitudinal forgiveness? Finally, number eight, how should I interact with this person in the future? This is a practical matter that flows out of your attitude of forgiveness. I got several thoughts about that, and I'll finish the podcast with this question. How should I interact with the person in the future? The first thing is let the offender define the kind of relationship you have with them. Let them define the relationship. Now, what I mean by that is, well, there are two points that I would give you under this thought. Let them to define the relationship. Point number one, if they are humble, they're defining the relationship. Then, obviously, your friendship can go deeper. If they are unchanging, then you want to move them farther out from your inner circle of friends. Let them define the relationship. If they're humble, then there's room to operate. There's potential room to build a relationship. If they're unchanging and not humble, you don't want them in your inner circle. And so it would depend on them. They will be the ones that will define the relationship. You must not let relatives and non-relatives be the primary way that you think about your relationships. People do this all the time, and that's why I'm saying this. People draw the—they make the dividing line between relatives and non-relatives— and they have a lot of relatives who are just bad people, but they're way too far on the inner circle. You don't let relatives and non-relatives be the primary way that you think about and divide your relationships. The transcendent dividing line is between saved and lost. Or the way Jesus put it when he talked about his mother and his brothers, when they told him that your, mother's and your mother and your brothers are out here, it's those who do the will of God and those who don't. That's the dividing line, the saved and lost, or those who do the will of God and those who do not. It is not your job. It is your job, rather, to do as much as depends upon you. But that requires wisdom to how much of your life you let them access or how much you enter into their lives. If you discipline your mind according to these few guidelines that I've given you here, you'll see bitterness and other angry sins vanish from your life. And it's even better than that. 
Not only were the anger and the bitterness and the hurt, potential cynicism and all the other garbage that comes with holding on to unforgiveness toward another person, not only does that dissipate, vanquish, but it's better than that. You are not dependent on anyone owning their sin. You're not dependent on that person ever repenting. If they never own their sin, if they never repent, you're not standing there holding their bag of sin anymore. You're not pressed down, weighted down. You're not burdened by what they have done or what they have not done. So not only will your bitterness and other angry sins vanish from your soul, but you're no longer dependent on these people who are unchanging. Repentance is God's business. Perhaps God will grant repentance and they will be free too, but you can be free from the nonsense of others whether God ever releases them from their shenanigans. And that's the big idea in this podcast. I wanted to share that with you, this individual who wrote on our forum. They experienced this kind of victory as they wrestled through these eight ideas that I've shared with you. If you want to talk about this, please, you can jump on our community forum as well. Get your free username and password. Log in to our free community forum, and you can ask questions about this or perhaps questions about something else. This is episode 181. To forgive or not to forgive, that is the question. May you be released. May you be free. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.